He can hear your voice on every day. Lord, sometimes when we turn to your word, it's hard to understand. And I ask that today you would help us to push out distraction, to not be confused, to be focused on you, to hear what you have to say, and to do something about it. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, we have, for the last eight weeks, been in a series called Life's Healing Choices. And that has been um, one of the only times in direct connection with a book that you can find on the book table that's at the back of this room, which are all books that you can take free. Okay, you can take any of those books for free. And so we've been walking through that, and it's very, very helpful. And our topic today is peace. Okay, our topic today is peace. And we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Before we read from Philippians chapter 4, I want to talk about this a little bit to explain it and help us not take it out of context. How many of you know what I mean by out of context? right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to take the word of God out of context because that's where we get confused. And when we get confused, we get frustrated. Nobody wants to be any more frustrated. What? (laughs) Right. So we don't want to do that. So I want to talk about context a little bit first. And in particular today, in follow-up of our Life's Healing Choices series, I want to just frame it in. Today, I want to talk about personal peace. Personal peace. How many in this room would like more peace or thankful for personal peace? Right? Okay. So first, we're going to see this word peace a few times in this passage. And so I want to unpack the word first and then talk about who's writing, to whom are they writing, and who are they writing about? Does that sound helpful? Okay, good. Uh, Peace, to be without trouble inside, to have no worries inside. To sit down in one's heart. It's a state of being. And in in this case in particular, when Paul uses this word, he's saying, enjoy a state of happiness. Now, are you starting to recognize that this year we've been on this theme? Uh, Thank you, Allison, for paying attention. I appreciate that. Okay, so to sit down in one's heart. Two. Is that a good posture? No. No, like... (laughs) To sit down in one's heart. Now, I'm not talking about... um, Some of us here are parents. I'm not talking about when you are trying to get your child to obey. Sit down. You know, everything with kids is up. Life is up. Wait up. Hold up. Shut up. Everything with parents is the opposite. It's down. Get down. Put that down. Get up. You're grounded. (laughs) I'm not talking about, hey, sit down. And the child saying, I'll sit down, but I'm standing on the inside. Okay, That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that whatever your posture in life, where you're running, you're standing, you're fighting, you're crying, whatever it is, that there is a personal peace where you can sit down on the inside. This is actually a great word picture in the scripture, because in fact, when John sees Jesus, he sees him seated at the right hand of the Father. You know, sometimes we want Jesus to be stressed for us. And he does feel our pain and he is compassionate for us, but yet he knows that God is victorious. And so when we are stressed, Jesus is not stressed. Jesus is seated. 
There's so much to unpack from that, right? He's seated. He wants us to be able to be seated. Now, I don't know what your Thanksgiving was like. It it may be that when you sat down at the Thanksgiving table, it was not so peaceful, (laughs) right? That's why they make the movies about holidays, right? He wants us to come to a place in our hearts where we are at peace, where we can rest in our salvation, where we have personal peace, where on the inside we can sit down. Doesn't that sound good? Okay. Now, in this passage, as soon as we start to read this passage, and I'm going to put it on the screen, but because of what we're going to do to unpack it, I wanted you to have a copy of it in front of you as well. As soon as we start on the very first verse, your brain, your human nature is going to kick in and you're going to start to turn off what God is saying. And so I want to really set the stage for context. Who is writing? Well, God has inspired Paul to write a letter. He's writing the letter to people that live in a city called Philippi, right? Part of the world that still exists today where there still are Christians to this day because of the Christians that were there then, right? He's talking to people that he led to Jesus. And who is Paul? Paul was described as somebody who at one point had been breathing murder. That doesn't like sound like someone of peace, right? Paul had been messed up. Paul had been somebody who was breathing murder. And what happened, we see the story in the account in Acts chapter 9, is that Jesus knocked him off his horse. How many of you have ever had God knock you off your horse? Jesus knocks him off his horse and he has an encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter 9 and now we see the story there and then actually he tells the story, Paul tells the story about that in Acts chapter 26 and he gives us a little bit more detail about what Jesus said to him. Why do I bring that up? I bring it up because it's really important because Paul, a person who had been religious, right, who had studied the scriptures, right, who was also somebody who lived a quote-unquote healthy and light, uh, a right life and was a God person, right? Had no personal peace. He was breathing murder. He had no... What changed? What changed is what I pray changes for everyone in this room today. He had a personal encounter with Jesus. We can't talk about personal peace without talking about Jesus. Otherwise, whatever we talk about might as well be in the self-help pop psychology section of Barnes and Nobles, if anybody still goes there. You know what I'm saying? We can't talk about personal peace without talking about Jesus. Paul could sit down because he'd had an encounter with Jesus, because he knew Jesus, because every day he would talk with Jesus, because every day he would listen to Jesus. If you want more personal peace, it won't happen without you having a relationship with Jesus. See, Rebecca and I, we can pray for you, and we do. But I can't pray as though I am you. 
You, you hear what I'm saying? I can't talk to God on your behalf. What, I can't. English is limited, right? I talk to God on your behalf, but I can't get on the inside of your brain and your spirit, right? Only you can talk to Jesus for you. And this is so important because there are people in each one of our lives where you will be the only Jesus they see. You will be the only Bible they read. If, if you don't have peace on the inside through a personal experience with Jesus. Now today we sang some songs that were very experiential. We don't always do that and we don't always make that a focus, but we do it because it is important that you understand that knowing God, worshiping God, loving God is also an experience. This morning, did you stop and wonder, where's Jesus today? What's Jesus thinking about today? What does Jesus have to say today? How is Jesus feeling today? I see people that don't have personal peace because they spend more time reading the opinions of certain people than they do spending time with Jesus. Jesus can bring you peace on the inside. And Paul, who writes this letter, when he writes these things, he's actually writing about some of the secrets of how to obtain more personal peace. But we, what's going to happen is we're going to turn to this and you're going to see some words that are going to rub you the wrong way. And it's easy to turn away from and lose track of some certain phrases that are in this passage that are directly speaking about a personal, experiential, based on knowledge, right? A personal relationship with Jesus. That's from where we get personal peace. Isn't God good? He offers it to us. Free. He offers it to us. So let's turn. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to have it on the screen here uh, this first time as we go through. Always be full of joy in the Lord. See, you're already distracted, right? Don't get distracted. Context. Remember the context. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord. Who's the Lord? Jesus is who he's talking about. Jesus is coming soon. Remember, Jesus is coming back. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. 
So in a moment, we're going to unpack this. And here, if anything, I think for the sake of time today, uh, maybe you want to take out your phone and take a picture of this slide. I'd like for you to take, I don't normally use this particular curse word in church. I'd like for you to maybe take away some homework. Oh, I did it again. (laughs) Okay. And this could be something that you can do. You can take this passage of Philippians 4 and you can ask yourself these questions from that passage because we're just simply not going to have the time today to fully unpack this, okay? So first question, what is God saying in this passage? Because it is God who inspired Paul to write those words. What is the plain, simple truth? What did God say? Second, what did God say he would do? If you use a, a phone Bible app, you can highlight with it. You can highlight in different colors. So you can highlight with one color, like green, what God said he would do. Then you can highlight in a different color, like God's color purple today, um, which is, some of you will get that later. <laughs> what did God ask us to do? What did God say he would do? What did God ask us to do? Right? And remember, you see on the screen, the operative word we're focused on here is peace. To be without trouble on the inside, to have no worries on the inside, to sit down in one's heart. It's a state of being. And literally, if we unpack the words he used, is to enjoy a state of happiness. Now, just so you don't think I'm crazy, I'd like to show you this in other passages of Scripture. You see on the screen, the psalmist writes a song writing about himself. It's not quite a Kanye moment, but it's kind of talking about himself. He's saying, self, this is what I say about myself to myself. So that's the, the, the grammar here. Surely you, being God... Surely you have granted him being himself. Surely you have granted him... I can really hear B.B. King singing some of the psalms. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. Now I know some people think that this experiencing the presence of God thing in my bedroom with YouTube, you know, and all those worship music from other places or on a Sunday is just for those weird people. Um, It's in the scripture. And the psalmist writes about a change of heart, a change of mind, a change in his peace level by experiencing the joy of the Lord's presence. He continues to write about himself. For the king trusts in the Lord, Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Now, we're about to turn the page in this passage and talk a little bit about your personal growth. And so I'm going to just lift, point that out to you. Your unfailing love. He will not be shaken. Does that sound like a different, a next level personal peace? That's some next level stuff right there. Now, the New Living, that last phrase I have on the screen there, um, translates it this way, which I think is faithful from the original language. The unfailing love of the Most High will keep him from stumbling. Your awareness, God's love doesn't change, right? You, you didn't, God didn't love you more because you came today. You might be more aware of God's love than you would have been if you had stayed home. With Pastor Sheets and Minister Pillow and Evangelist Comforter and 
You get what I'm saying? You might be more aware of God's love. Our awareness of God's love for us causes us to grow and our desires to change and enables us to make better decisions. That was really good. You're going to have to listen to it streaming on the website or on iTunes to get it again. Right? There's a change that goes on. Let's do one more. Psalm chapter 26, verses 6 through 8. And I'm not going to put this on the screen, but leave your Bible at Philippians 4, okay? I'll just read it to you. Psalm chapter 26, verses 6 through 8. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. Now, the psalmist had a specific geographic place where they would go to worship, where they would experience the the presence of God. And I want to say to you that this passage of Scripture refers to when we are here in weekend worship, in our life groups when we gather in homes, and when you seek the presence of God wherever you are. Right? Unfailing love of the Lord. Now, I want to go back and reread the passage from Philippians, and I'd like for you to focus on those questions, but in particular, what did God say he would do? What is God asking me to do? Okay, you ready? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Action words that I see in the passage. B, remember, don't worry, tell, thank, experience, and fix. For the sake of time, I just want to focus on fix. Fix your thoughts. Uh, Last week and, and before, over this past month, we've talked a little bit about reverse worrying. Anybody remember that? Reverse worrying. This passage is directly talking about reverse worrying. Pastor Ben, what on earth are you talking about? I'm so glad you asked. What Paul is writing about here is he's inviting them, encouraging them, please make good decisions, and the good decisions that you make, let them include choosing to focus your thoughts. Choose to focus your thoughts on the good things. Now let's, let's kind of use an opposite bizarro world contrast to help us understand what that means. 
Okay, what is worrying? Worrying is thinking about the bad that could happen. Right? Regret, regrets, is when we think about the bad that did happen. And when, you know, when people like to look tough, they get a tattoo that says no regrets. Or depending on how much they paid, no regrets. Okay, so we, it, to, 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 to worry is to think about the bad that could happen and we obsess about it, right? We become obsessive compulsive. We can't stop thinking about when we're worrying, that's what's happening. We're trapped in a little rubber room circling, going round and round and round, thinking about the bad that could happen. When we're living in regret, we are thinking about the bad that did happen, right? Am I making any sense? How do I get freedom from that? Because that's like torture, right? And that doesn't sound like the kind of life that Jesus described. Well, Paul gives us an instruction to fix our thoughts. That means... Right? Use exercise the brain that God gave you and focus on the good that is true, that has happened, is happening, and will yet happen. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Somebody got shout for Jesus on that one. <laughs> Fix your thoughts on the good that is true, that has happened, that is happening, that will yet happen. Fix your thoughts. What does this look like? Well, you gotta make a moment by moment decision. Right? And you need help. That's why we do life in life groups and in open relationships and give on Sunday time for relationships. We gotta be honest. (laughs) Faking it in your relationships about where you are in your walk with Jesus does not help. It might help you look like a church person, but it doesn't actually help you follow Jesus. It's time to take off the mask. All my shame doesn't cause God to look the other way. All my fear doesn't scare Him. Take off the mask. There's nobody in this room, there's nobody in this church that is going to judge you. This is a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Come on, that was a good time to say amen, somebody. This is a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Take off the mask. Make a decision to fix your thoughts on what is good. When we're honest about the fact and you've heard my story. I've, I've talked about it. This has even been a struggle for me in my life, right? And I've talked about what has changed on the inside of me and the open help. And I'm, Ben's heard me on Wednesday nights to celebrate recovery, unpack what that looks like in my life on a week to week basis, right? We got to be honest with each other, open with each other. You know why? Because then we can encourage each other and pray for each other. Hello? That's our function here. It's one reason why we set the chairs on an angle so you can actually see each other a little bit better. There's people that are smiling at you that are willing to encourage you and pray for you. Some of you think I'm joking because I've never said that before. It's actually true. We can, and so when I take off the mask and then I discover that somebody else is like, cool, 
with what I'm being honest about and that they will encourage me. What happens, the benefit of long-term relationships and the reason why it's so hurtful to you to bounce from church to church is that when you have long-term relationships, somebody really gets to know you. They get to know the real you. They know your past. They know your tendencies. And when they give you a compliment, it means something. It's thinking means something. They give you a compliment. It means something. They speak the truth to you. It means something. It's encouraging. Let's get into some reverse worrying. How's your RW doing this week? Why's your reverse worrying? Fix your thoughts on what is true. I want to put something on your hands, in your hands today that is going to help. Can you help me? Uh, let's hand it. I just want um, everybody to get one of these. I've posted this online too. If you um, link to the church website or you just plug in benmalman.com, this is today's post. You'll find it up right now. You can load it on your smartphone. I want you to have a copy of this. And I want to talk about it, and I want to talk about what it means. Did everybody get one? Okay. Now, I want you to look at me for a second. Stop looking at the paper just for a second, okay? Now, this, a guy named Reinhold, was using this in 1935. Some scholars believe that this is a prayer that was written by one of the early church fathers in 500 AD. Okay? This full prayer, I believe, is a tool that will help you do what we just read in Philippians. Hear me? Now, Jesus gives us a tool in the Lord's Prayer. Luke 11, right? Luke 11, we get the Lord's Prayer. It's a power tool. It helps us know kind of how we can pray. I have found, and unfortunately, especially in modern American churches, and for some reason, especially in modern American churches that believe that God's not dead, He still heals people, Holy Spirit's still at work, that there's a lack of turning to old prayers. And ancient Christians are a part of how we got here. Listen, there's people in Palestine, Christians that are being killed in Palestine, that we should be praying for regardless of politics, because they're a part of why we're here. That's a topic for another day. So I do believe in reading old prayers and using them just like the Psalms. Great work by Keller being done right now about the way that Jesus would have prayed the Psalms. The Psalms are really helpful things to pray. I want to turn your attention, and some of you have already looked at this paper and gone, this is not for me. You're wrong. It's okay. I love you. All right? This can help you. The first time I read this, I said, oh, this is written for pastors. Okay, Now, AA, which was started by Christians, started to use just the first two lines. And so a lot of people discredit it. That's why I just took all that time to unpack it for you. Now, let's read it together, and I'm going to put it on the screen uh, to help us out. Okay? God, grant me the serenity. Now listen, that's the peace word! You guys are doing so good. I didn't use... Okay, let's read it together. God... Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, 
accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. This is a prayer that is helpful. And you have to read it. How many of you have found this prayer to be helpful in your life? Ben, raise your hand. Found this, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right? It's helpful, okay? So I just want to pack a couple of things and then we're going to dismiss. First of all, it's a prayer for peace. And some of us are old enough to remember the Seinfeld episode, Serenity Now! I keep a tennis ball in my office with that written on the tennis ball. We're not talking about pop culture, self-help, positive mental attitude will actually change our circumstances. But what we are talking about is God grant me peace that I don't currently have. In fact, what we're talking about is God give me the strength to submit to your will and the strength to ask for things to change. This is not about laziness. This is not about giving up. This is not about just accepting your life as it is. Not if we read it. To accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So powerful. And here, think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. This is like straight out of Jesus' mouth. Living one day at a time. Jesus told us to do that. That's not some garbage. That's truth. Living one day at a time. And some of us need to start with enjoying one moment at a time. Do you know that even in your darkest hour, you can turn, you can fix your thoughts on what is true about God, and you can still enjoy that moment. How we suffer matters. This has been true for me when I've gone through times of excruciating pain. I'll focus on things about God where He is good. And I say, God, in whatever state I am, no matter how I'm doing, I come to you and I say, I believe that you are good. Even when I can't understand why I'm going through this. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. That needs an hour by itself, right? But do you know that Jesus himself, when he prayed and asked God to take the cup from him, they would not have to go to the cross and he prayed on a a level doctors have written about this you can actually something physiological can happen in your body when you're under great stress and you can sweat blood that's what Jesus did he was under such stress he wasn't just God who didn't experience stress but Jesus accepted his hardship as a pathway for your peace And his peace with the Father. Taking this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting, trust and obey. Trusting that God will make all things right if I surrender to his will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life. And supremely happy with you forever in the next. Our present troubles are small. The things we cannot see will last forever. The people that are in your life, they are forever. 
Your job is going to go away. Your car is going to go away. Your house is going to go away. Thank God your bank account is going to go away. (laughs) The IRS will go away. The people around you will not go away. There are two things that you cannot do in the next life that you can do today. Sin and share Jesus with others. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Our present troubles are small. The things we cannot see will last forever. Peter wrote this, In his kindness God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. If the band will come back up, please. So after you have suffered a little while, it's a little while, whatever you're going through, you are going through. He will restore, support, and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. Let's stand and pray. I want to just uh, remind you, you're invited to join us for lunch um, at the house today afterwards. And I want to pray and then we'll just dismiss. And if you want to get something to eat and drink and just hang out, get to know each other, share a part of your story with someone else to so do that. If you want to receive prayer or pray for somebody else, let's do that, okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you so very much that you can give us a peace perspective. You can give us a view on our life and on eternity that can grant us a personal peace. Open our spiritual eyes, I ask in the name of Jesus. Please, open our spiritual eyes. Help us to see things the way that you do. Lord, and I ask that anyone that's here today that needs to come to faith for the very first time, or they need to rededicate their life to the Lord, that you would draw them to your kindness, that they would reach out and pray with somebody else. Lord, that whatever the healing miracle that's needed today, that you would perform that. Lord, and Lord, on the inside of us, we need that miracle of peace. I thank you for it today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you.